your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Ramsey gets the snap, looks left, holds, now steps up, puts a pass off to one. Pillars picks up, intercepted Alex Davis. Alex Davis gets the deflected ball, picks it off. Huskers have it at the 27-yard line. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome to another week of Sports Nightly. And happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans out there, men and women who have put their lives on the line so that we may enjoy the freedoms that we do in this country. It's your day. I hope you had a good day. And again, thank you to all of our men and women who have worn the uniform over the decades and years of this country. Huskers coming off of a bye week, back into weekday preparations. A press conference earlier today with the head football coach, Scott Frost. We'll have clips of that coming your way in a couple of minutes. Hour number two, it's our men's basketball show for the week. Assistant coach Doc Sadler will be in here. We'll take your calls and questions about Husker basketball. They had a heartbreaker on Saturday themselves. They double overtime lost to southern utah on saturday for the big red so nebraska 0-2 on the season as nebraska unable to get over the top in that uh, second overtime period against southern utah we'll talk husker hoops in hour number two weekend rewind leads off hour number three and adam rittenberg of espn.com will join us in the third hour he was covering the minnesota penn state game on saturday up in Minneapolis, huge win for P.J. Flack as now the Gophers have a two-game lead in the Big Ten West, which is three games to go uh, in the regular season for Minnesota. A magical season going on up in the Twin Cities. But Huskers off of the bye week. It was a great weekend to have off, Ben, because you had great weather. So you can get out and do some things, maybe do some yard work. I did some of that, did some leaf raking, even put out a few Christmas decorations so that my fingers weren't freezing on Saturday with those 73 degrees that we had here in Lincoln. And then just a tremendous slate of college football games to soak up over the uh, Saturday period, and uh, including that Minnesota win over Penn State to get the day started. Yeah, boy, it took me forever to mow the leaves up uh, on Saturday. I actually... Uh, started well before the 11 a.m. kicks, and I wrapped up r- right at halftime of the <laughs> Minnesota-Penn State game. But uh, it was kind of refreshing listening to uh, another broadcast. I listened to our, our buddy Mike Grimm from Minnesota. Does a good job. Um, call the game. He does a great job. And, man, you got a, a, a great sense of what type of atmosphere that was in Minneapolis listening to their broadcast. I mean, that, that was a charged-up fan base for that game. And, you know, it made me long for the day that Nebraska has um, an opportunity like that against a top five team, and they do what Minnesota did in the first half. The entire time that Minnesota was moving the ball up and down the field on Penn State, I'm just trying to imagine, you know, that being us someday, uh, hopefully very soon, you know, to where we have a big game and uh, it's not the Huskers falling flat. Instead, it's the opposite, where we're taking it to the other team. Uh, but it was just a, it was a very uh, respectable job that minnesota did in that football game and proved their worth and uh, you know i talked with a current member of the team today kind of off the record about minnesota and he goes you know i've been i've been kind of telling people to the side that they're the most complete other than ohio state obviously they're the most complete team that we've played mm-hmm. and uh and and they were very impressed w- with them when they played them 
And, and that's no joke. I mean, I'm beginning to think that it wasn't necessarily a fluke what happened that night in Minneapolis. That's a good football team. Sure are. I mean, go just go back to when we did our position breakdown so much. We liked Minnesota's team, all the weapons they have on offense, and they've just become a very sound defensive team. That was far from a fluke on Saturday. They earned that win over Penn State. They were the better team. All day long, the, the Nittany Lions, to their credit, never gave up and worked themselves back into the game and had a chance to win it late with that last drive. And there might have been a pass interference that could have been called on that last drive that would have kept the ball with Penn State on the pick that Minnesota made in the end zone. But the Gophers got it done, and it was a very, very nice win for them. And then you followed that 11 a.m. game up with LSU-Alabama, and my goodness, LSU was phenomenal in that game I know it ended up only being a one score game but they're up 20 and Tuscaloosa at the half they're up 14 with a minute to go in that game that was a very very impressive game and for me LSU'd have to crash and burn not to make the playoffs what they have done to this point in time and winning like that at Tuscaloosa yeah no question about it I I, that was a really good football game first of all and I, I thought for a moment there LSU would just blow them out you know, and, and win by 28 to 30 points, 31, 35 points. I, I really – the way that game was going, it was hard to see Bama get involved. And Bama does what Bama does. I remember in a game against the SEC championship against Georgia a few years ago, they just find ways to make big plays. And whether it be special teams, defensive scores, and, and they did it again against LSU. They, they just find ways to win games. And – um, they, they were crawling back into it. They, and you got to give them some credit too. And, you know, part of me was hoping that wouldn't be the case because, you know, everybody in Tuscaloosa and probably everybody in SEC country other than Baton Rouge is going, see how good they played against the number one team? They deserve a shot. And and I knew that was going to be the case if, if uh, Bama crawled back into that thing. But um, to me, the, the bottom line in the in, in – the, you know, end all beat all that whole thing. And I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, but if you're, if your biggest selling point is a loss, you got issues. And right now that's See, all Bama's got. I thought you were starting to pound the drum to make them that fourth seed in the, in the uh, tournament come December. No, no. Uh, they only have, they being, being around Nebraska for the last few years, close losses don't get you anything and they haven't gotten us anything and they shouldn't get, Help get Alabama in. Totally agree. Again, they were down 20 at halftime. They were at home, they were down 20. Yes, they fought their way back into it, but they did lose. But you're hearing that drum beat around, around the country. People going, well. Well, and you knew it would. If Either they, way. If they do that, they're going to be 11 and 1. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, Bama's has gotten the benefit of it out a lot over the last four or five years. To me, that they should be out. And Unless here's the thing. Happens. Did we not learn our lesson about giving Bama the benefit of the doubt in the title game last year? No question. That's right. They got if, right. If you're going to use preconceived notions on Bama and right. give the benefit of the doubt, well, let's use preconceived notions then. What happened last year? I completely agree. They've been jobbed. I mean, they've been handled twice. Clemson completely handled them in the title game. And they got handled Saturday. I know they fought back into it, but they got handled in that game. I'm just so impressed with LSU and what they've done. They would be my number one team. The Buckeyes would be my number two. Clemson, because of the undefeated record and because they are the defending champions, is my three. I don't know what I would do at four. I, I don't right What do now. you do at four, five, and six? I know. And the committee will reveal their next poll tomorrow night. That'll be interesting. I think, I think Florida's probably in that. I'll be – 
I'll be disappointed if they leave Bam at four. And they might. They might leave him in there. Here's at four. the problem is the committee now is gonna weigh they're gonna weigh Bama, Florida, and Georgia, right? And probably Oregon. But and no, Utah. I'm talking just SEC schools. Okay. Those are the three. And they're gonna say, okay, well, Georgia lost to a South, South Carolina, Carolina team. Bad That's team. not very good. Right. Yeah. Florida lost to Georgia. Florida lost to Georgia, and then Bama just lost to the number one team in the country by six. So what do you think they're going to do? Do you think they're going to give the benefit of the out of the Pac-12 over a one-loss SEC? I don't. So do you think it could be a run of SEC teams at four, five, and six tomorrow? I bet Oregon's sprinkled in. Um, I think Minnesota's in the conversation. I don't think they're necessarily top six, but they're they're at least, you know, in those top 25 meetings when we tier out, they're in the tier, but I don't know that they make it that high. Um, How far do you penalize Penn State? They lose Penn, by... To me, the, the, bit, the, the big wild card in this whole thing is, is going to be Oregon because that they're going to weigh their loss to Auburn, an SEC team. So if you're going to start comparing weight of losses, you, 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 can't, you can't say that Oregon's loss wasn't as good as Bama's loss or, or, or Georgia. It's, it's a better loss than Georgia because they're in their league. So, so it's going to take a lot of the argument away um, to put teams ahead of Oregon. Auburn's going to be the barometer for a lot of teams. They play Georgia this week. They play Bama in a couple of weeks. So they're going to have played Oregon, Bama, Georgia. How All hard those teams, is that freaking schedule? Unbelievably hard. And LSU, obviously, because they got beat by LSU. But they're going to be the ones – everybody goes, well, how'd you do against Auburn? How'd you do against Auburn? How'd you do against Auburn? That They're going to be the ones that are going to be the measuring stick for all of these programs with one loss. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and I Look, it's obviously I'm getting worked up about it right now, and I try not to be because it's not going to matter. Like this conversation that we're having right now, right. one week from today won't matter. Right. Uh, but to me, the, the, the biggest thing that you take away from these polls every week is you, is you get the explanation of why this team ahead of that team. And as long as they're consistent in, in what they're saying and, and what they're deliberating on, and what we hear tomorrow is the same as what we heard last week and we'll hear next week, as long as we're hearing the same message, it should be pretty clear by the end who should go where. Obviously, it's a little more ambiguous right now with so many games to play. But for right now, it's, it should be ambiguous. And I think that's the biggest tell from the committee is how they weigh it. You know, I think, I think that, that will give us a lot better idea. And, and you know, when we're doing this at the, at the end, it should be a lot easier for us to predict who's going to go where based on what we've been hearing the last few weeks. Gophers should make a big jump. They were 17th yeah. last week. They should make a big jump. Top eight. They need to be top eight for they really, sure. They really should. And where do you do with Baylor? Baylor sitting there undefeated, too. Baylor and Minnesota, a lot of parallels with mm-hmm. those two uh, teams at this point in time. Again, this this time tomorrow night is when they, that uh, latest poll will come out from the college football world. Oscars off the bye week. Players met with the media today. The head coach talked to the media today. There was kind of a, a cl- uh, there was almost like a clean slate. Didn't you feel like that? Like the guys kind of felt like it was almost a reset to things. There was, you know, uh, the getting a week away again from the, the plane and we kind of pushed that Purdue game in the back, the backdrop a little bit. I, I just felt like there was a lighter air around the players and the head coach today. I certainly, um, and, and I don't, I want to be careful how I say this because I, I feel like it's, it's the cliche thing to say after a bye, right? Rejuvenated. We had time off. We got help. Like everybody's going to say that after a bye, but 
I want to say, um, from my observations, things were a lot less tense. Yeah. Uh, it was it was treacherous times around here after after that game in West Lafayette, and all these big picture questions started coming up. And I know you and I, you know, have had a number of conversations away from the microphones about what we think's going on and how we fix it and where we get where and what we think and taking out our frustrations and venting. And um, I'm doing that with friends. I'm sure you're doing that with friends. I'm sure our fans and everybody listening are doing that with friends or whatever. But um, it, it didn't feel like, you know, the weight was on everybody's shoulders, including ours, you know, walking in there of how tense it was going to be. And I got that sense from the players too um, about the bye week. I don't know what that's going to mean for Saturday. I still think it's Nebraska is going to be the same team we've seen all year. I don't know that, you know, one week off is going to make them, um, you know, all of a sudden a, a team that's going to look like the team we thought coming into the year. I don't think that's realistic to say, but – I do think it, it probably helped them to have um, some time off and to just and and I feel like in, in the first bye week it was physically we had a lot of guys physically banged up and we just needed to get some bodies healthy. I kind of feel like this was more of a mental, um, a good mental bye week, you know, where guys could just kind of take the little the pressure off of what's happened so far in the season and and get refocused up and uh and ready for wisconsin and you know this team has nebraska's attention this isn't a team that nebraska just says all right it's the next one it means something especially to these seniors to to play well this week haven't beaten wisconsin in their careers here in lincoln all right that's what we have on the program tonight all right scott frost today was asked about what they got out of the bye week yeah we kind of balanced our bye week time with uh again going back to work with the team and getting our coaches out. Uh, I think we made some good progress on the road recruiting and um, we needed to needed to have that week. It was good for us to get out and I think it's gonna make a difference for us in recruiting. And recruiting, what kind of response did the coach get out on the trail? Responses is great. Um, you know, out and about, people uh, know our program. I think the, still the reactions to Nebraska football around the country is unbelievable. Um, I think people understand our staff and uh, the direction that we're going, and we're, we're getting nothing but positive response. Heading to December 18th is the date of that early signing period. So we're almost to a month out from when that period will take place. Earlier, before the head coach got to the media session, Matt Farniak was up and said that the team is just sick of beating itself. The coach was asked about his thoughts on that. Yeah, well, we're all tired of it. Um, you know, not to take anything away from anybody else, there's several games this year that uh, if we just didn't make some mistakes, um, the, the outcome could have been different, and I think everybody sees that. Um, you know, I, I wish the team just had a little more conviction to get it done at times, and I uh, wish we would uh, get to a point where some of those mistakes aren't happening, and we're addressing them, we're teaching them. Um, the, the guys the guys are, are tired of little mistakes here and there, and. Uh, part of that's having a young team in a lot of places, and that's cost us some. Uh, but part of it's just a mindset to do the do jobs perfectly, and we got to continue to be better as coaches to make sure that happens. And the, and the players uh, got to help us with it. I think the the, the part to me that uh, that we were all expecting to change from last year to this year, and, and I went back and rewatched the game and several plays in the game last year, and and last year was such a tangible thing right when we say beating ourselves last year it meant penalties 
Nebraska had so many untimely penalties in that football game last year with Wisconsin. It was sickening. Basically, every time something good happened, you looked in that bottom right-hand corner of the screen and the yellow thing would pop up and said flag on it. Um, it that they're not so tangible anymore. They're, mo- they're more – you, you got to go back and rewatch the misfits or, um, you know, there are some things that you re- – kicking the ball out of bounds, not lining up correctly. You know, these, these types of things, they're not – as easily seen from the get-go but they impact the game all the same and so while nebraska has been better in the penalties they're still beating themselves just in other areas the head coach was asked if he's ready to uh, have the team let it rip stop uh, be, being afraid of making those mistakes you know that's what we preach all the time and um letting it rip and allows you to play just a little bit faster and sometimes just a little bit faster is what it takes to get a play executed uh, and and you know, we haven't been very far away in several games. We haven't been very far away in, on quite a few plays. I, and just a little more is going to get us around the corner and get us over the hump. Um, I, I think maybe a little bit of of fear of, of making a mistake comes from being young players, too, uh, when those guys are out there. Yeah, But you learn as a player that not every play is going to be perfect. All you can do is your best in every play. And, and that's how we're going to continue to try to get our guys to play. That's kind of what I hope they bring to the – field the next three weeks is just and maybe we saw a little bit of that today you talked about kind of a freshness um maybe they just let it rip and stop thinking so much and go yo this season isn't going to end anywhere close to what we thought it was going to let's just go yeah and i think i think there's a fine line between doing that you know going and playing free at the same time wisconsin might kind of welcome that a little bit because especially defensively if you're doing that with against Wisconsin's offense and you're and you're playing too fast and you're playing too reckless and too out of control they feast off that so I think you got to find the balance of of going out and I think I think it's more mentally than physically right let it rip mentally instead of just physically putting your your body out of position and uh and, and causing the deck of the house of cards to fall so to speak so uh i'm all for that mentality but do it under control at the same time i just remember this goes back to the mike anderson baseball days the huskers would get eliminated from the making the big 12 tournament and then they go sweep the last series of the regular season mm-hmm. sweep you're like where was that a month ago yeah pressure was gone go play loose play free stop over analyzing everything and just go play yeah yeah it happens a lot in sports mo berry kind of told me that today he you know it's just there's a lot of talk of this analytics and big picture stuff and vegas lines and he goes it's football yeah it, it, bottom line is football you got to make football plays to win and uh against wisconsin you just have to make a heck of a lot of them you sure do one guy that i think the coach would like to see let it rip is the quarterback adrian martinez he was asked today what adrian needs to do to be better yeah, he just needs to be more consistent again. Uh, again, I, you know, a lot put, gets put on that kid's shoulder. We need to be better around him. Um, but I think he can play better than he did last week, and, and most of it's just consistency, um, making sure that when he has opportunities to complete balls that he gets the ball to him, and, and just being a little more definitive with his decisions, um, a little sharper and crisper so balls are coming out a little quicker and uh, decisions are made a little quicker. We all want that Adrian back. I, like I said, I rewatched the game today. He played like a madman last year against Wisconsin. And it, I, I kept thinking every play, every time Nebraska had the ball, I want that guy back. 
and, and I and I and I hope he can find it at some point this season and give himself some positive to finish out the year into the off season. No doubt. Um, interesting question asked of the coach today about the offense and where they found some areas of improvement this year. Where has the coach seen that? Here is the head coach. Yeah, I think that there's been a bunch of progress made. Um, I don't think you can always see it because there probably hasn't been some made in other areas and um, just because of circumstances of things. But, you know, we're playing some young guys on the offensive line. I think they've continued to get better. I think we've had really solid play from our tight ends. Um, you know, the running backs have played well at times. It's just kind of been a revolving door back there a little bit with injuries and other things. Uh, but there's definitely some areas that, that we've improved and uh, we need the rest of the pieces to catch up with that improvement. I'll tell you one I think's gotten quite a bit better is Cameron Jurgens at center. I think that position has gotten a lot better. Yeah, I would agree. I, I really feel like he's taking good strides, and you know we're not really talking about the snaps anymore. Um, you just you, you hope to see that progression from a lot of different people, and it, you know to to see the improvement, and and I think you know by the end of the year we'll probably have a little better idea than we do right now. But there are some areas that maybe have, have plateaued and, and haven't gotten as good as they would have hoped. But, um, you know, that it, it seems hard to do in the middle of the season to just all of a sudden get better and, you know, see a different product from week to week. The snaps have been quite a bit better over the last month. If you go back and watch tape and just zero in on Cam, you're seeing him move guys down the field. I, I just think that position – and, again, Co- Coach Frost, and I didn't pull that this clip, but he talked about – we threw a guy in there who had not been an offensive lineman at any point in his football career, and we made him the center, which has a lot of – you have to make the calls. you got a lot to do up there. He says, we threw him into the fire in August out of a need in a lot of ways because Nebraska just didn't have a lot of options in that position. But I think you've seen tremendous growth by Jurgens uh, as this season has moved along and starting to really prove the head coach right about his upside because there's a lot of football left to be played by him here at Nebraska. All right, let's uh, turn the attention now to Wisconsin. Um, they are different offensively than a lot of teams that you watch on Saturdays playing college football. Here's the head coach. No, you don't see much of it anymore. It used to kind of be the norm in football. Uh, now the teams that, that run a more standard offense are a little, little more of an outlier. Um, you get used to on defense, the one-back running game and one-back run fits. The run fits are, are quite a bit different with two backs. Um, you know, they got a really good offensive line. I think the quarterbacks are good. Uh, the running back, obviously, uh, a lot of people talk about him. The, the, the kid playing fullback for him does a really good job opening up holes for him. Uh, and they got some weapons on the outside. So um, they got the, the talent to, to be really good. And I think their scheme's good. And, and it's a little unique um, in this day and age in college football. They can hurt you more in the passing game than they have in the past. Cephas, getting Cephas back on the team in late August was huge. Ferguson, the tight end, is a good player. But they have a two. Davis is a good wide out. So they, they've, they're a little bit more multiple now than they've been. They hurt Nebraska quite a bit in the passing game last year. And Hornibrook was bad in that game. He missed a lot of throws. But uh, Nebraska was playing off coverage a bunch. And Wisconsin took advantage of that. A lot of out routes. A lot of get to the sticks and, and hitch routes last year, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven yard routes and 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 they made Nebraska pay for that. Uh you know, people think Wisconsin's offensive scheme is boring because it's not up tempo, spread them out, but it's a clever run scheme to watch. I mean, you go back and watch where guys are pulling from, where they put guys in the backfield. It's hard to tell if it's 
you know, 22 personnel, 32 personnel, 31 personnel. It's hard to tell based on where these guys line up, but it's uh, it's certainly interesting to watch how they move guys and how they um, slide their line and how where the pullers are coming from. And a lot of times it catches you off guard, and that's why Jonathan Taylor is so successful. It's not just straight ahead run through the gap. That They do a lot of things to make him good. They have been tailback you really since Nebraska joined the Big Ten Conference with guys like Monte Ball, James White, Melvin Gordon, who a caller referenced earlier. And now the next great one is Jonathan Tater, who's wrapping up his college career. There's no way he comes back next year. He'll be draft eligible in the, in the spring. The coach was asked about how to, how to stop Jonathan Taylor. We have to be in the right spots, and then we have to honestly have to bow up and man up and tackle him when we get our chances. Um, you know, we misfit a couple a year ago up there, and he had a couple big runs, and then he just ran through some tackles too, and that's what good running backs do, uh, but we have to be ready for it. And on defense, the Badgers seem to be playing at a pretty high level as well. Here's the head coach. They've got talent. Um, I think they're a better defense than they were a year ago, watching them for sure. Um, got a couple really good players that are difference makers. I'm really impressed with 56. He's um, he's all over the field. He's a pass rusher, uh, makes tackles everywhere. He's physical, uh, but there's a lot of good guys around him too. And, and they're very sound. They don't give you much easy. Uh, stay on top of things in, in the past game and, and get a lot of people in the box to stuff the run. So uh, I think on both sides of the ball, it's a compliment to them. They know who they are. They know their identity, and they're really good at it. They've been shutting people out all year long. I mean, they've just been really hard to score on. I know Iowa put 22 on them and missed the two-point try to tie it late, but they, they just have been a handful uh, to, to move the football against all season long. Yeah, I think uh, both sides of the ball. I mean, their defense – the statistic of their shutouts you know halfway through the year no one could score on them no one could move the ball on them and then offensively you know Jack Cohn's been a lot better than I think maybe we we had thought you mentioned getting Quintez Cephas back as big I was a huge fan of Ferguson last year at tight end he hasn't had the numbers that I thought he would this year but you know he certainly made Nebraska pay in a big way last year and um, they're a pretty complete team and you got, got a couple future NFL offensive lineman up front too so uh, I don't think it's a stretch that that coach Frost says they have talent because I think they do as well absolutely two games back in Minnesota though with just three games to go they're gonna need some help if they're gonna catch the Gophers tonight it's the Nebraska basketball radio show right here on the Husker Sports Network here's Mac driving the ball drops it off for Bjarnason with a left hand finishing an acrobatic finish and a nice find again by Cam Mack for the assist an inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball 12 on the shot clock Cross has got it 9-8 down deep for Mack puts it up got it one point lead by Nebraska 66 to 65 a minute 27 to go tonight Assistant coach, Doc Sadler. 4.7 to go. Cheatham looking, looking, finds Cam Mack. Will they foul him? Pass to Green. Green fires, puts it up. Got it! Got it! We got a tie game, my friends! Survey Green puts it up and down to tie it at 69. Holy smokes! 
Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our men's basketball show for the week. Here are the numbers. You want to be a part of this one, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-537. And happy to have Doc Sadler in studio for the next hour. What what year is this? We're just like missing Lane Grindle. That's all we're missing, Doc, right? <laughs> well, we've uh, it, it's the same seat, I think. We've got a little, little bit higher tech uh, show business with the cameras and hope the people back home watching the, watching the show are uh, – uh, don't look too close. Um, but, yeah, it's great to be back. Uh, you know, Lane's gone on. Last time I saw Lane, it's funny, it was at the Final Four in Houston. And uh, they were playing baseball down there. And uh, Fred was actually playing uh, basketball against the Rockets. And I was in the hotel visiting Fred and them. And uh, Lane come walking through the hotel. So, uh, you know, at least I have seen Lane since, since uh, you know, the great job that uh, that he did here. But then, you know, has moved on to, uh, you know, obviously do very, very well at what he's doing. So happy for he and his family. But it's great to be back. Well, it's good to have you back. I know the Hendricks Center was open for your last season as head coach, but PBA wasn't. Yeah, your thoughts yeah. about Pinnacle Bank Arena? So many things have changed. Uh, you know, the things that uh, not only just the arena downtown, but the things that, uh, you know, it's just a, uh, in today's, today's deal, um, you know, games aren't enough to attract people it's got you've got to have other things mm-hmm. and you know the the game time atmosphere downtown uh i'm sure is really really nice uh but the arena in itself the first time i walked in it was kind of just wow you know i was at the press conference when they announced uh when they announced that they was going to build it and uh and never never thought that it would be as nice as it, as it is um you know, there's not uh, there's not many arenas in the country, if any, that are any better or any nicer. Uh, you know, there's obviously some that are, are as nice, but not any that's any nicer. And then, you know, the thing that makes it special is that the people come out and watch you play, and that makes it even better. And, uh, uh, my wife uh, was talking about it the other night after the first game, and my son's up here also right now. And uh, it's just it's just really really a, a nice atmosphere for college basketball. Two games last week. I know they didn't go the way you wanted to, but did you see progress from game one to yeah. game two? You know the thing is, uh, when you, it's my thirty eighth year and uh, of being in this business, and um, you know when you have the turnover that we had, uh, the thing about coach was. Uh, when he came in, he was very, very honest with all the players, gave them opportunities to, to make some decisions. And uh, in today's climate, kids are not going to stay around. And, and so uh, I think uh, really uh, that uh, Matt and Fred and, and Armand did an unbelievable job of putting the, the team together uh, you know, when I got the job the first time, it was a couple of days before school started in August, and and it, and that was really difficult to get a recruiting class. But then you add the fact that uh, you know you got to go out and 
maybe sign three or four guys in the in the spring, but this team had to have eleven, and uh, so it's going to take some time. Uh, you 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 don't have one player on that court that's ever played with each other. Uh, you have very few that's ever played significant minutes at all at the Division One level, and to expect that you're just going to walk out there uh, as as I've told other people, you know, the schools that we play give scholarships too, and uh, and some of those guys have played together, and that means a lot. Uh, but uh, the reason I came back was not because of no other reason but Fred Horberg. Uh, that's how much confidence I have in him. And uh, this season is going to get better each and every game. Uh, he is a guy that gives unbelievable confidence. Um, we was laughing about it today. If that would have been me, uh, I'd be going nuts, uh, and it wouldn't have done any good. Uh, Coach uh, c continues to build confidence with each and every one of those players, and in the long run, that's what's going to uh, it's going to pay off. Uh, but it's not going to turn, and it's not going to change in one day. And uh, to be honest with you, I think we're doing a lot of good things. We're just not doing enough of the little things to get the wins that we need to get right now. But once uh, once again, uh, the confidence that he gives the players is uh, something that's going to get us through some tough times, which we're going to have some tough times. I mean, that's something that we know. Uh, I know people don't like to hear that, and a lot of times people don't want to hear the truth. But the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, uh, it's not going to happen overnight. Memory serves, when you got the job here, you got on yeah. a plane pretty quick and flew to Australia. Is that right? You know, a lot of things happened. Yeah, I got I got the job, and uh, Alex Merrick uh, contacted me a few hours afterwards. And the old saying, when you take a job, once the press conference is completed, the job goes downhill from that moment on. Well, I get a call from Alex and his family saying that he was going to transfer and go to Indiana, and wow. Uh, so I get on a plane and, uh, the next day and fly to, to Sydney and spend a couple of days over there with him and, and ended up getting on a plane not really knowing uh, what he was going to do. Uh, felt good about it, but at the same time, there was other players I had to get back and, and visit with because a lot of people were thinking about not coming back. But, um, you know, thank goodness for – for the Huskers that Alex did come back. And uh, then he left uh, Nebraska and went on to an unbelievable professional career. And, you know, uh, in his situation, got to where he was making too much money to come back and play in the NBA. But, you know, he was European Player of the Year mm -hmm. and uh, did very, very well. And he's getting a taste of this now. He's actually coaching the Sydney Kings. He was over here with uh, the New Orleans Pelicans uh, for the NBA uh, Summer League. And I wanted to get out and see him, just didn't get a chance to. But, uh, you know, a lot of the former players that I coached are coaching. And it's yeah. funny to sit in uh, the Cookie Millers, the Bear Joneses, uh, you know, uh, Nick Cranks, uh, you know, uh, Drake Brannick. Yep. Uh, a lot of guys got in this business and they all said, man, coach, we didn't know it was like this. And uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, a lot of good memories. You have a big – foreign player on the team this year and Ivan Drago, who I like his body type. I know he didn't really fit in the game plan sure. as much Saturday, but that's a guy I think you can do some things with. Well, again, I think uh, I, I know Coach worries about every day that uh, Ivan goes into the, the training table that the football coaches may try to recruit him <laughs> over to the football team, yeah. but uh, Ivan's so young, 17 years old. Uh, it's going to be 
you know, has a ways to go, which we knew that he was going to have a ways to go. But what an unbelievable person and, and a kid that works uh, extremely hard each and every day, and he's only going to get better. You know, so many times you get some players that uh, maybe is going to be as good as they're going to be when they're fresh. Well, that's not the case with Ivan. Uh, his upside is is unbelievable. Um, and after he spends a year or two with Coach on the offensive end, uh, getting his skills, uh, you know, uh, put together, then he's going to be a really good player for us. Are you having to play him out of position some? Where, uh, where is he? Where no, I don't think so. Uh, you know, he's going to be a low post player, uh, you know, uh, so, I mean, he's just got the body. But, you know, the one thing that he does have that uh, really uh, has been a pleasant surprise, he's got great feet. I mean, great feet. And uh, and uh, he is he's definitely, uh, you know, again, only thing he has to do is, is get more minutes and, and experience and because he works hard and he's going to get better each and every day. Another young guy, big player for you, is Kevin Cross. He had a heck of a game, led you in scoring yeah. Saturday with 19. That's a guy you were pretty familiar with, weren't you? Well, we had recruited him at Southern Miss, uh, where I was at before here, and he came in, and, uh, you know, he's probably playing a little bit out of position. Uh, he's playing more of the, you know, low post. And, you know, I know it ha like a lot of our guys, I mean, it looks like the Thunders, but – uh, again, Coach, I've never anywhere I've ever been that spends as much time individually with players with their shot and with their, sh uh, you know, uh, offensive end. He is, uh, you know, he led the NBA in three-point shooting uh, field goal percentages last year, so he knows a little bit about, uh, you know, shooting the basketball. And he spends so much time with those guys individually uh, that's uh, – uh, and Kevin's going to be one of those guys. And we had a player at Iowa State named George Niang, and we was watching some tape earlier tonight, coaching I was, uh, before he went out recruiting. Uh, the, and we was just saying, you know, wow, we hope, hope Kevin's body can change as much as George's did at Iowa State uh, because he does some things very, very well. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the good thing is is he's got three years left uh, after after this season. He's he's not hitting some threes, but the stroke yeah. looks pretty good, though. No, he can shoot the basketball. Like I say, uh, I've had the opportunity to work with 15, 16 different head coaches. Uh, there's not a coach in the country uh, – that spends uh, the amount of time individually with these players uh, like Coach does on their shot. And, uh, you know, uh, I call him the Pope uh, <laughs> of shooting because he's always got his hand on their head or their shoulders or their back or something. And, and I, I tell him he's trying to heal their shot. So uh, he's had a lot of success. And if kids will listen to him and put in the time, uh, coach uh, will turn a, a good shooter into a very, very, very good shooter, and hopefully that'll be the case. Doc Satter's with us. It's our men's basketball radio show for the week. Heartbreaker, a double overtime game against Southern Utah. That was a good-looking basketball team you played Saturday. Long, athletic-looking. That, that team's going to win a lot of games. You know, going into the game, I was really concerned. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were very fortunate to have a chance, and we had some chances. And, uh, you know, play here, play there, but 
they do. They had some really nice players. Uh, they're going to win a lot of basketball games and uh, a lot of experience on that court on their end. So uh, it was a tough loss, you know, play here, play there. And that's one of the things I think coaches, um, you know, th that that he's trying to teach. Uh, again, we've got so many guys that don't understand that one or two possessions uh, can make a difference. And uh, each and every possession for us right now is so, so important. So hopefully uh, – Hopefully, uh, you know, uh, you don't ever want to lose. I don't, I'm not one of those that believe you learn much when you do lose because I think you can learn just as much on a win. But at the same time, uh, I do think, uh, you know, I do think to practice today was about as good as we've, we've had, as much energy. And, uh, I, again, I think that's credited to Coach, uh, you know, that he just stays positive with them and uh, understands – that it is going to be a process uh, that's going to take some time. And, uh, you know, they'll respond and they'll give us all they got. Gervais hit a big shot yeah. in the regulation to send it to OT. Yeah. And, uh, Are you again, surprised the thing, they didn't value? Uh, yeah, they wanted to. Well, they they wanted to. And, uh, but then once uh, we gave it up, uh, you know, uh, there was just enough space there. Uh, but uh, they wanted to foul, and they were upset that they didn't get the foul. And, you know, we've talked about that this year. And one of the things that concerns us, to be quite honest, coach believes in that, but our size at the free throw line, uh, you know, uh, about giving a, a an offensive rebound up, you know, so I, I don't think coaches – at least he hasn't shared it uh, exactly what we'll do because the situation will be different. But, uh, you know, the the percentages are on your side to foul. And uh, uh, Gervais hit a heck of a shot. And, you know, uh, then we had our chances to win. Let's talk about Gervais a little bit. What have you seen from him? What's, what's, what is his game like? Well, again, uh, I, I, I coached uh, junior college for eight years. And – uh, the best basketball that we're going to play this year is going to be in January and February. Uh, there's not junior college players that, that go in at this level uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, they just don't understand. They don't understand, again, the possession of each and every uh, – in, in, in each and every game is so, so important. The, the room for error and mistakes is, is, is not very big. They've gone from shooting the ball 15 to 20 times to maybe getting a shot seven to eight times. Defensively, uh, you know, uh, they've never had to play as hard as they're playing now. And everything's different. School's harder. Um, and, 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 and all of a sudden, you know, they just can't go out on the floor and not bring it each and every day and be the best player. Uh, they So practice is harder. And all the things that go into it, uh, I remember, again, uh, working for Eddie Sutton and, and, and him, him saying at this level, you better be careful how many junior college players you bring in because uh, it just takes so long for those guys to adjust. Uh, and it's, you know, if you can get a good uh, – if you can get a great year out of them, uh, then it's been a good year, a same, good recruit. Same thing with Cam? Oh, he's there's doing no the doubt. Same thing, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, uh, they, they've never played this. I mean, no longer can they just go by people or, or do what they want to do and coaches play them because they continue to make mistakes, things like that. It's just a whole different ball game, And, uh, you know, that's why each and every level that, that kids go up, whether it be in baseball, football, whatever it may be, it's just tougher on them. 
You love the defensive end of the court. What have you seen from the Huskers through two games on that end? Well, again, you know, in two regulations, you basically have held teams to 67, 69 points, and uh, and especially as fast as we play, uh, that uh, that's pretty good, but we're still doing so many things uh, that we can correct, and and that's the thing that uh, uh, that I, that that coaches continue to 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 sell to these guys that a lot of the mistakes that we're making are correctable mistakes, and and defensively, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to be a traditional defensive team just because of the size that we do have. So. Uh, you know, uh, you would like uh, you would like to be able to substitute a little bit more for defensive mistakes right now, uh, but we haven't had that luxury. Uh, you know, so we're letting a lot of things go uh, because uh, you know we're just trying to win a game, and uh, and so uh, you know we got to get them corrected as best we can, and and I think in time. Uh, we'll be okay. We're not going to be great because defensively, our, the the defensive boards is going to be a, a big concern. So that's why we're not going to be probably as great or as good a man to man team. We're going to have to do a lot of different things, or for football terms, a lot of different schemes, I guess. Who are who's good on the ball defending for you? Well, that's one of the areas that we've got to get better at, uh, and we've got a couple of guys that could be very, very good right now. Gervais is the best player that we've got guarding uh, the point, but there's no reason Cam can't be, no reason Deshaun Burke can't be, uh, except you know, uh, again, uh, it takes a lot of energy, it takes uh, toughness, it takes all the things that. Uh, that right now we just don't have enough for 40 minutes with, but we're getting better at it. You, um, We talked about one of your freshmen, Kevin Cross, in the opening segment. Samari Curtis was a guy that you were able to find late in the recruiting process. He was a commit to Cincinnati. Their coach left for UCLA. You guys swooped in and picked him up. That's another body type that yeah, I like when yeah. I look out there. Samari's got a very, very bright future. I thought uh, defensively he may have had his best game Saturday. Uh, and, again, he comes from, you know, high school where they wouldn't let him defend because they didn't want him to get in foul trouble. Yeah. I don't know that he had ever even been his knees. Uh, so that's a whole new uh, – end of the floor and you know we joke about it all the time with him that you know six on six basketball he'd have been a great player back in those days uh but unfortunately now you got to play both ends of the court the good thing about samari is that again offensively he's a guy that can give us some scoring and i think on saturday uh it was by far the best uh defensive uh defensive uh performance that he's had in practice or games so he's going to be a really nice player first time i saw him it reminded me of lance jeter yeah yeah lance that's funny lance and i jab at each other he's a big steeler fan and everybody knows i'm a big cowboy so we were jabbing back and and he jabbed me today but lance has done unbelievably well and uh continues to play good and is going to uh you know just wow i'd love to find another lance jeter and and, uh, you know, we beat Coach Horberg and them. Uh, Lance made a huge play with about three seconds to go in the game, stole the sideline out of bounds, and and uh, went down, laid it up, made the free throw, and, and beat uh, Iowa State when Coach was at Iowa State. And uh, 
Uh, he was just a great player for us for two years. Sure was. Let's head to the phones. Let's go to Grand Island. Chris, you're up first with Doc. Hey, Coach, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, for, first of all, I want to welcome you back home. Thank you. And the yeah, other I'd like question to say is, it's I... good to be back, but this cold weather, man, today, <laughs> wow. But uh, but that'll be okay. The... I, Greg says it's going to be 50 yeah. degrees for the football game Saturday, so I guess we'll just have to toughen up a little bit. The other the question I have for you, when you were the coach the first time several years back, what can you take away from being the coach when you were the coach several years back to being the assistant now and your take on the facilities back in when you were the coach to now? Well, good question. Uh, you know, I left a head coaching job to come back. And, uh, you know, I've had – I had 16 years of head coaching and – you got to hope during those 16 years that you learn a few things. And it just so happens that six years was here at Nebraska. And then one year was with Fred at Iowa State. So I, I do think uh, I can help coach as much as possible in, in a lot of different areas besides just the basketball court. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be able to do that. Uh, you know, this is a, this is a situation where – um, I think everybody understands that probably the greatest, the greatest advantage or strength that Nebraska has is is their fans, and then the second thing is is the facilities, and uh, you know because so many people have the facilities and the things that 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 so many schools have, but very few places have the support. Uh, so that that part of it, he was really surprised, I think, at the turnout the first two ball games. Uh, but then, uh, you know, uh, I mean, as we talked earlier in the show, the the Pinnacle Bank Arena is is probably about as nice as anything uh, you know that I've ever been in. So uh, there's a lot of positives, and 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 and. and that, uh, I I am a hundred percent convinced that the biggest positive is they've got the right guy to be the head coach, and uh, you know he has a name recognition. He is an unbelievable offensive coach, uh, and in time people are going to see that. Uh, and so I really think right now there's a lot of positives, even though we've dropped the first two ball games. Uh, there's no question in my mind that with all the things that's going on around here, uh, there's going to be some really exciting times over the next few years. On Mondays, we always like to check in with Adam Rittenberg, national college football writer for ESPN.com, who was in the Twin Cities over the weekend watching P.J. Flex. Gophers, Adam, take it to Penn State and get a huge win. That's a big statement win for that program, isn't it? It was, Greg. I mean, pick a milestone. I mean, obviously the biggest one, Going back 115 years, uh, the last time that Minnesota started 9-0, uh, it was 1961, the last time they were 6-0 and in the Big Ten. And then uh, probably most impactful just because of the scene, 1977, the last time they beat a top-five team at home, that was top-ranked Michigan at the old Memorial Stadium in Minneapolis. So definitely a, a moment that Minnesota fans and uh, P.J. Fleck and his players won't forget. You know, I've been to a lot of field storms and seen that scene before, but you could tell this one was generations in the making. And again, it propels them and step closer, a big step closer, 
to a Big Ten West championship and, and possibly uh, even more. Right now, the possibilities are endless for, for Minnesota. People have been questioning them, Adam, and rightfully so. They barely snuck by their first couple of weeks of the season. They got to play a bunch of teams with their backup quarterback. But they proved a lot, though. I mean, didn't that, this was a, a game where they can sit there and say, all right, everything was fine with Penn State, and we won that toe-to-toe battle. Yeah, and it wasn't fluky. Uh, you know, Penn State nearly stole the game. They were driving down late, and you know, receiver kind of falls down. Looks like he was going to go in for the go-ahead touchdown. But Minnesota, uh, you know, gets off the field. Even if they'd lost, I think people would have felt, wow, this team has something. They've got real players. They got real wide receivers for sure. They got a real quarterback in Tanner Morgan. Only two incomplete passes. He was almost flawless in his performance. And then, you know, defensively, they did enough. Uh, you know, Penn State. I think certainly left some plays out there. Uh, it's a fra- phrase that I hear coaches say a lot, and I'm kind of like, ah, but yeah, watching the game from where I did, there were some plays that were that could have been made, especially early in the game, that they struggled to to make. But you know, got to give Minnesota credit for you know picking off three passes and you know limiting the the run game at least in the second half and and and, and getting out of there with an with an earned win. And now we'll see how they follow it up. You know, this week against Iowa on the road, haven't really faced a road test like this so far, but. You think about what they've done at home, whether it was uh, you know the earlier wins against Minnesota, or sorry, against Maryland and, and Nebraska. Now a signature home win against Penn State, and uh, yeah, it's just a team that's gained a lot of confidence. A nice mix of seniors who were there when PJ Fleck arrived and really adapted to who he is and the types of messages he's brought to the program, and then obviously some players that he's brought in guys like Rashad Bateman, guys like Tanner Morgan, who are playing pretty well fairly early in their careers. And they're an underdog this week when they go into Iowa City for, for that game on Saturday. Well, that that stole the headlines from the 11 o'clock games on Saturday. All eyes were focused on Tuscaloosa for the 2:30 game. How impressed were you with LSU and what they did on Saturday? Yeah, very impressed. You know, I thought they would score, uh, you know, but it, it just seems like every week, Joe Burrow and that offense raised the bar even higher. You know, the questions that I was having from SEC coaches going in uh, the last few weeks were, could LSU run the ball uh, effectively to supplement the things that Burrow and those receivers can do in the pass game? And they were able to do that. Caught Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, doesn't get a lot of national attention, but he had a really strong performance, was at times the best player on the field for, for LSU. And, you know, their defense held on. I mean, it's an interesting LSU team in that, they're not a dominant defense. They have some future NFL players, but their front seven is okay. It's not elite, whereas their offense is elite in every way, starting with the quarterback position. And you know that that was a long time coming. You know LSU is usually the one team that can step on the field with Alabama on a yearly basis, at least in the West Division, and feel like okay, we're not overmatched. But they had been. Uh, overmatched until Saturday, uh, at least in the final score. And it was huge, huge for Ed Orgeron and, and that program. And uh, they, they're certainly looking the part of a playoff team and maybe a national championship team at this point. Okay, two of the top four get beat with, with Bama and Penn State. What's your What would be your four right now? Yeah, you know, it's gonna the four spot will be fascinating. The top three are going to be LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson, I think in that very order. But, uh, you know, the committee could stick with Alabama, which would certainly cause some controversy. They could move Georgia up. Georgia shut out Missouri on Saturday. They still only have the one loss uh, in overtime to South Carolina. It was a bad loss as far as the opponent, but you know, they have some signature wins on their resume. Where do you put Minnesota? And Minnesota was my number four team when, when we did our uh, top four rankings after the weekend games because now they have a signature win to go along 
with that undefeated start. Where do you put Baylor? Baylor is now 9-0. and They haven't been particularly dominant, especially against some you know okay competition recently, but where do they slot? I spoke with Mario Cristobal of Oregon today. He's feeling very confident about Oregon, and that could be the team that ends up getting the number four spot if they can win out and win a Pac-12 championship. But I think it'll be certainly the intrigue on Tuesday night will not be one, two, or three. It's going to be who's that number four team. Well, let's get into some of those teams you just mentioned because they've got big matchups this week. Oklahoma goes to Baylor, so Baylor's undefeated mark will certainly be on the line. This could be a big. This could be like Minnesota, right? A big win against a team, a high-ranked team. Yes, absolutely, uh, and it's at home. And I think people have questioned Baylor a little bit, but they've already gone out and beat Oklahoma State on the road. Uh, they have the win against uh, Iowa State. And this, this would be big because uh, Oklahoma still looked at as the most talented team. They've dominated the Big 12 in recent years. Uh, you know, last week they were fortunate. You know, they, they nearly blew that lead against Iowa State and had to uh, you know, stave off a two-point conversion attempt to, to win that one. And, and, and this is a big moment for Oklahoma. If they, if they lose this game, even if they win the Big 12, there's no chance of them making the playoffs. If they can win this game and win out and certain things fall their way, you know, maybe it'll change. Now, Baylor likely will need to beat Oklahoma twice to win the Big 12, but this is an important moment. You know, Matt Rule's team is way ahead of schedule, just like P.J. Flex in, in, in the eyes of many. They're, 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 uh, they're doing things that we didn't think was really possible, and it's a credit to, to Matt just as it's a credit to P.J. at this point. Yeah, two third-year head coaches. All right, uh, and then Georgia. You mentioned them. They've got a big one at Auburn. Uh, Georgia certainly can work themselves back into this. If they can win this one and then the, the SEC title game, they probably get in, don't they? They do, yeah. Well, I think what would be interesting is if they lost this game and then still beat an LSU in the SEC title game, what do you do with two loss mm. SEC champion Georgia? But they can you know, take that doubt away by beating Auburn and, and having that signature road win to go along with a home win against Notre Dame and a neutral site win against Florida. And, and this game has implications for a lot of uh, you know, teams in some ways. Uh, you know, Oregon wants Georgia to win. Oregon wants that Auburn loss to look as uh, sorry, they want Auburn, Georgia to lose. They want that Auburn loss to look as good as possible uh, when, when, when the final rankings come in. I think Alabama also wants uh, Auburn to win because it wants uh, its rival to be ranked as highly as possible when the Tide go in there for the Iron Bowl on November 30th because that would be Alabama's only really signature win opportunity uh, in, in their, entire, in their t- entire schedule. So yeah, there, there's a lot of different uh, – you know, ways that this one could go. And then for Auburn, there's, there's already chatter about Gus Malzahn, their head coach. Will he want to go back home to Arkansas after Arkansas, you know, wanted him a couple of years ago and he parlayed that into an incredible contract at Auburn, but Auburn people, you know, tend to get upset easily. And, and if they lose this game, they'll have three losses with Alabama still coming in for the iron bowl. So a lot of different ramifications uh, for this, uh, for this game on Saturday with Georgia and Auburn. Got to like the way Georgia's coming in, especially on defense. But these are two of the better defenses in the entire SEC, and I wouldn't expect a lot of points on Saturday afternoon. It, it, really interesting, Adam. You've got two. We've talked about two third-year head coaches in PJ Fleck and, and Matt Rule at Baylor, who finally turned a corner in year three. And that, and then you mentioned Arkansas with Chad Morris out in middle part of his second year. Last week it was Willie Taggart in his second season. The dynamics are different, aren't they? I mean, you've got a couple of schools who've hung on and stayed with the coach, and now they're feeling the fruits. And you've got Arkansas and Florida State back in the market less than 24 months after hiring guys. Yeah, right. Every, every situation's different, but it does seem like schools are, are more willing to part with a lot of money if, things, if they feel like things are not going well. And, you know, things went very poorly for Chad Boris 
at Arkansas, unfortunately, not even a single SEC win and some you know embarrassing performances to group of five teams most recently on Saturday against Western Kentucky. Um, I think I can understand that one a little bit more than Willie Taggart, although I also understand to a degree the rationale there. But they're obviously spending a lot of money to get rid of coaches, and then they're prepared to spend a lot of money to hire a new coach. And you know, that, that's what Arkansas will be doing along with Florida State. And there may be some crossover candidates. You know, a guy like Mike Norvell at Memphis, uh, I think certainly will be on Florida State's radar and was on Arkansas's radar last time and, and will be again this time. All right. Uh, where's Adam going this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to the Floyd Rosedale game. There you go. These Gophers as they pursue 10-0 and 0 down in Iowa City, uh, one of the, my favorite places to see a game. Uh, and, uh, yeah, excited to be back, and, and we'll see if, if Minnesota can keep it going. Or if Iowa, you know, a team that is you know, still a pretty good team but just hasn't had things come together its way, can they record a signature win over, over the, one of their rivals? Going to be fun. Adam, we appreciate it. We'll talk again next Monday. Sounds good. Thanks, Greg. Adam Rittenberg joining us on our Sports on a Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices. 866-HUSKER-1-866-487-5371. A couple of minutes left in the program if you want to be a part of this. Scott Frost had a press conference earlier today as the Oscars get ready for the last portion of their schedule, starting Saturday with the Wisconsin Badgers. It is an 11 o'clock kickoff. Our pregame coverage on Saturday begins at 6 a.m. We also learned today that next week's Maryland game will be a 2.30 game. So pregame next Saturday final road game of the year for the Big Red will be at 9.30 as the Huskers travel to the East Coast. First time they'll have played at Maryland since the Terps joined the Big Ten Conference. At the press conference today, Scott Frost was asked about if they ended up handing out their 85th scholarship for the fall. And he said, yes, they have indeed done that. And it goes retroactive back to the start of the semester. And it's Wyatt Missouri. So the second straight year that Wyatt has been put on scholarship for the Cornhuskers. Um, that had not been announced at that point in time. He was also asked if he had any update on Maurice Washington, and the head coach said he will have nothing more on Maurice Washington until the season is over. So no update on Washington, who was says, as it was put two weeks ago, not a part of the football team and not a part of the immediate plans, but the door wasn't completely closed on Maurice Washington's career as a Cornhusker, although with – each passing week, you kind of get the sense that that's going to be it for Washington as a member of the Cornhusker football team. All in all, fairly upbeat, almost a refreshing press conference today, not only from the head coach, but also some of the, the players that were there for the media session today. So kind of hope that maybe the week off cleared some heads a little bit. A lot of talk about kind of just getting out and cutting it loose with this football team as they move uh, to the last three games of the season. Three games out of 12, still a good chunk of this football team uh, season remain, and Nebraska needs to get two wins if they want to get themselves bowl eligible to play in postseason play. So still plenty left for this team to uh, go after. All right, here's what we have tomorrow night on the program. Bill Moose will be here for his monthly show, 6 o'clock. We'll come out of the gate with that, so get your thoughts, comments, questions ready for the Nebraska Athletic Director. He's here from 6 to 7 tomorrow night. Hour number two, women's basketball show with Amy Williams and Matt Cotney. Huskers got a big road win yesterday at Missouri in overtime, beating the Tigers. 
So we'll have that for you. Also tomorrow night, we'll have Top 10 Tuesday and a JTEC practice report coming your way tomorrow night. We'll hear from defensive coordinator Eric Shenander tomorrow on the program. Uh, No volleyball show this week. Huskers have a midweek road game. They'll be traveling tomorrow to East Lansing to get set to take on Michigan State on Wednesday night. 